Hello, and welcome to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. My name is Sydney. I'm your host. I'm a wife, business owner, lifelong learner, and follower of Jesus. I was born and raised in Colorado and live here with my wonderful husband of six years. I'm passionate about people and have a knack for business. My hope is that we can learn together about doing life with grace and grit. We'll talk about all things life from faith and finance to business and balance. My prayer is that this will be a place of help, encouragement, honest conversation, and authentic growth. Thank you for joining me. Hi, friends. I hope you are having a really good week. Mine has been full of adventure as usual. Um, Actually, I was taking care of all of our animals. We've got 12 chickens, three rabbits, two goats, and two dogs. So taking care of all of them making sure they're fed and watered and changed and checked and all of that usually takes about uh, 15 to 20 minutes, just depending on what's going on. Anyway, so I went out probably about half an hour ago and I was taking care of all the animals, changing water and feed and everything. And I, the goats always come into the garage because right now we've got the dogs and the chickens in the garage. So the dogs are out for some time during the day and then in the garage at night. And then the chickens we've been putting outside during the day a little bit, but they're in the garage for the majority of the time because they're still pretty little. And the goats come in because that's where their hay and the chicken feed, which they really think is a fantastic treat, are at. And so usually what I have to do is I have to take goldfish, which is their other favorite treat. I have to throw it out in the driveway and then I have to run back into the garage as fast as I can and close the garage door. So I did that. And went on my merry way. So I sat down and um, was just getting ready to record this lesson. And all of a sudden, my dog starts going crazy. And the last time the dog did that is because there was a rattlesnake hiding underneath our grill, which is a story for another day. But um, my dog's going crazy. And then all of a sudden, I've got one goat outside that's going crazy. He's like running around the house and knocking his head up against the back window. I'm like, what in the world? Why did all these animals just lose their minds? So I check on the goat and there's nothing wrong, but I don't see the other goat. So I was like, all right, well, maybe he's around front or maybe he found a snack on the side of the house. So then I was like, all right, well, white goat is fine. So I'm going to go check the garage. So I open up the garage door and what's staring me in the face, but the goat. So apparently I locked the goat into the garage with the feed unwittingly and he's been wandering around the garage which is why the dog's been going crazy and why black or white goat has been running around the house looking for his brother so he walks into the house because it's easier to get him through the house at that point than try to get him back through the garage and so I pull him into the house and my rabbit runs over to her little hidey hole and just sits right outside of it so she can see see the action but if she needs to make a quick getaway she'll be okay because the goats and the 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 rabbits are just not really familiar with each other so when they see each other it's like a strange creature from another planet so I take the goat to the back door and he's pretty willing I was like oh this is gonna be easy how great I get to the back door I get the door open and white goat is mad and he has a broken voice box he came to us that way when he was probably a little under a year old. So we don't know what happened to him, but he doesn't make a normal goat sound. He grunts instead. Um, I am not going to try to imitate it here for you right now, but just uh, suffice it to say he, he grunts and he's extremely vocal. So he pokes his head in the back door as soon as I open it up and he starts grunting extremely emphatically to black goat. Then black goat gets distracted by the rabbit's food and litter box because it's full of delicious hay and greens so he runs back in the house and then he gets distracted by the trash can because who knows what's going on in his goat brain at that point so then the other goat runs in the house so at this point instead of having one goat in the house we've got two goats in the house so this is kind of spiraling out of control really quickly so I'm trying to get make sure the door gets shut so that way the rabbit can't run outside and get away and she runs into her hidey hole because she's like I don't have any idea what's going on but I am being invaded by these big two-horned creatures and so I'm chasing the white goat trying to get the door shut and the black goat runs into the bathroom down the hallway so now I know where one goat's at and I've lost the other one and 
I didn't know what to do. So I grabbed a pack of tortillas and I bribed them. And eventually we bribed, they followed me out for the pack, for the tortillas. There's not very much that they won't do for food. So, um, got them both settled and out of the house. And now there's peace reigning at my house once again, but that was my adventure just now. Um, and I think that pretty well sums up this last week. Uh, it's been great. I got to go uh, to a ladies conference with one of my favorite lady speakers. Her name is Francie Taylor. Um, and she's got the Keep the Heart Ministry and podcast. So plug there for her. But we got to go up to the conference and there was a cancellation super last minute. So my mom got to join us for her birthday weekend. And I got to see my brother and sister-in-law. And then... Um, it's just been a really great week. There's been a lot going on, um, but really good. So the chickens keep getting bigger. But uh, today's podcast I've been praying about for the last few days because I thought it was going to kind of go one direction and um, God just completely shifted it to something different. So I'm excited to share what's been laid on my heart today. I hope that you are hanging in there and that you are digging deep in the word of God if you're, if you're struggling to hang in there because it will give you um, the food and the nutrients and the spiritual feed that you need. Uh, just like my chickens have to have feed and water in order to keep growing. Uh, the Bible gives us that the same way. And today's podcast is about God, the provider. Um, I was reading in Luke chapter 12 for my devotions where God promises to provide for the ravens and the lilies and how you can't add one stature. You can't add one cubit to your stature. You can't get any taller just thinking about it because God's in charge of that. And, uh, you know, you, I've been saved for, well, next month. So in May, I was saved in 2000. Let's see. Yeah, I was saved in May 10th, 2000. So May 10th is going to be 22 years since I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And, um, you know, I can truthfully tell you that I've read the Bible front to back um, several times. I try to get through the bulk of it every year in my reading. And it never ceases to amaze me how God brings things to light that we never saw or never understood or made the connection. Um, but it's rich and it's full and it gives you exactly what you need. And there are seasons where I I go deep in the Word of God where I'm studying and studying and I'm I'm researching Hebrew root words and and meanings and cultural uh, connotations and and. Uh, you know, really going deep into the word of God. And there are seasons where I can't handle that, where my brain or my emotions are just fried and I need a proverb. I need, I need wisdom 101 for dummies, but the Bible never ceases to, to come through and to give me exactly what I need in the season. I need it. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, but I was reading in this chapter in Luke and he's talking about considering the ravens and how he feeds them and the lilies, how he clothes them and the grass of the field, how he makes it beautiful, even though it's just going to be burned the next day. And uh, he says, if then God so clothed the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow's cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? Um, he's challenging his disciples. He's challenging the people that he's surrounded by because they're following him, but many of their um, many of them are following him for personal or physical gratification. They want to see uh, the Roman Empire overthrown. They want to see the king of Israel free their people um, to save them from from the oppression and from the taxation and all these different kinds of things. So some people were following him because of that. There were other people following him because of what he could do for them, because so often he fed them. You see that multiple times in the scripture where he, he takes care of the people that he's surrounded by others because he is the healer and he's touching them and he's healing their infirmities and he's casting out demons and he's um, giving people their lives back. So there are people, all different kinds of people following him for all different kinds of reasons, just like they are today. But he says, how much more will he clothe you? How much more are you important to God than a raven or a lily? How much more are you important to God than how many hairs you have on your head or how tall you are, how short you are? 
It says, oh, ye of little faith. Jesus is always challenging our faith. And, uh, and then it says in verse 30, for all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your father knoweth that ye have need of these things. And then the next verse, it says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And that really struck me. It stood out to me as God, the provider, because provision is connected to faith and our relationship with God. Man's humanity's relationship with God has never been simple. Um, You know, we look at how many different religions there are in the world and how many beliefs to get to God or ways to worship God or ways to live in a way that that pleases God. And now there are similarities between religions. And I believe that um, the Bible is how we are introduced to the creator God. And we learn to worship him in spirit and in truth, because there are people that worship him without fully recognizing or fully knowing because our heart seeks to worship. And, and when we're not, because our, our heart is built for that, we're, we're always going to be left wanting more or wanting different. But Jesus is so gentle. He says, you know, your heavenly father, he knows what you need. And and you don't need to be afraid, little flock. And and I love the endearment and the patience with which he shares that. He says, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Now, the really interesting thing about this promise is he is talking in the first half of that about physical needs, about clothes and raiment and water and food and and. God says, we know, we know that you need that. But then he says, it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And in that he's referencing the eternal kingdom. He's referencing heaven. He's he's referencing eternity worshiping God. Sometimes we think that if it feels good, it is good. And if something feels bad, it is bad. And what God promised, he said, I know you need these things, but he didn't promise to always provide those things. He says, I will provide all your need according to his riches and glory. Sometimes what we need isn't what we think we need. Because the reality is there are people in the Bible that were tortured to death. There were people in the Bible that starved to death in famine and in war. Uh, People died of illness and and old age and, and were killed for their beliefs. God didn't fail them. He didn't not give them what they needed. There are people that didn't have food, didn't have a roof over their head, didn't have enough water, didn't have access to doctors and treatments and and work. And you see that through the Bible. And and it's easy to say, you know, oh my God, you'll supply all your need. God knows you have needs of these things. And he does because he is your heavenly father. He knows you need these things. And it is your, it is God's good pleasure. God's deepest desire is to give those things to you but those things may be given to us here and there's a possibility that those things may be given to us eternally in the kingdom of god in eternity and uh, you think about the woman at the well she came for for immediate water she came because she was physically thirsty and god addressed the soul the, the thirst of her soul because her soul was famished for for grace and for joy and for forgiveness of sins and the things that only God can offer. And so our, our relationship with God has always been complex and he does promise to provide, but it's rarely in exactly every way that he thinks that he would. And many of those promises... Um, Sometimes instead of giving us, providing for us, he gives us more grace. Or instead of providing something for us, he gives us more faith. And those things are spiritually every bit as important as food and clothes, clothes and a roof over our head. And this year, the last 12 months have been so interesting because um, in 2020, the government was printing so much money and people were getting uh, COVID payments and, and working from home and um, the government kept sending out checks through through two administrations and trying to keep the economy from going into a deep recession and to keep things going. But it's they were throttling it through not allowing people to work. At the same time, they were heating it up through printing money that they didn't have backing for. And economically, that's a bad recipe. Um, that's going to that's not going to give you good 
good outcomes. Um, and we're seeing that in the form of inflation. And I understand um, that the media and the White House are telling us that it's Putin's inflation, that it's Putin's fault that we're seeing all of this. And the war is exacerbating some of the symptoms that we're seeing of inflation and um older people returning to the workforce and people, younger people having to move back in with their parents, get jobs, help a multifamily income in order to be able to survive. We see that when we go to the gas pumps um, or when we're buying food, you know, you look at different meats that have gone up significantly. Um, We're seeing some pressures around needs. And, and as Americans here in the United States, we also have a unique relationship with money because we have been surrounded by absolute abundance for as long as we can remember. And that's not to say that there haven't been tough times. That's not to say that there haven't been times um, where it's been difficult. It makes me think of um, the housing market crash in 2008. I was a college student in California when that happened and it took me three months to be able to find a job. And I mean, back then I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was trying to get through school and pay off student debt. And, uh, you know, there was a lot going on and I was hitting the pavement, turning into my resume anywhere and everywhere. And I couldn't get a job anywhere for three months because, um, there was such a massive squeeze on the market when the housing bubble crashed. And so we've had, even through that though, as a whole, the United States has generally known abundance, wild abundance, uh, for as long as we can remember. And some of that, I think, is going to shift because the actions, the, the seeds that we're sowing are not sustainable. And when we reap the, the harvest of poor fiscal policy and um, irrational behavior in valuations in the stock market and um, the shifting alliances that we see throughout the world with the war between Russia and Ukraine and, and the stampede for others to join NATO and the pressure for the UN to come in and um, take responsibility for these things and the funding that the United States provides as the muscle for the UN. So our relationship with need and want, I think, are going to change because right now we've got everything we want. We've got Maybe not everything we want, but we've got everything we need. Even as, uh, even if you're struggling financially, even if you're just living paycheck to paycheck, we still have an abundance of food and access to food in this country. We have an access to jobs and to work and the opportunity to change our situations that we find ourselves in. And we're starting to feel the squeeze on some of that. Um, and God says, don't be afraid for it's God's, it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And so he's reminding them that although my God knows you have need of food and raiment and, and clothing and, and housing, keep your perspective on the eternal because eternal perspective is going to put everything else into the right picture. It's like when you, I live out in the country and, uh, we we have like a miniature farm now and eventually I'd like to start a garden and get some other animals but uh we have all kinds of wildlife running through here so we've got deer and antelope and elk the occasional mountain lion bear lots of foxes and coyotes porcupines raccoons hawks eagles all kinds of different um, rabbits groundhogs all kinds of different uh one of the most uh I think it was in the weasel family one of the most rare weasels was found in somebody's basement, like two, two miles down the road last year. Um, so we have a lot of really interesting wildlife that passes through here. And I've been taking the dogs out to eat, to do their business in the morning. And I've noticed that there's uh, these larger deer footprints and one set of smaller deer footprints passing through the field every morning. So we've got a mama and a baby deer that are kind of trekking through here um, early in the morning or late at night. And from time to time, we get coyotes that try to come after our goats. We get rattlesnakes, tarantulas, all kind of fun, um, scorpions. So uh, never a dull moment here at the Miller Casa. But we keep a set of binoculars right by the front door um, because you never know what you're going to see or what you're going to come across or what's going to be happening. But sometimes you pull up those binoculars and you have to shift the lens in order to be able to see through it. 
accurately. And the Bible, I think, is teaching us in this passage about how to do that. Because God says, I know you have physical needs. I created you. I I know better than anybody. How much more will I clothe you or care about you than I do about the lilies in the field or the ravens of the air? But also, we've got to adjust our lens when we pick up our binoculars, our spiritual binoculars. We have to adjust our lens so we can see clearly through the perspective of eternity. Because there are going to be people that don't have the easiest life. There are going to be seasons where we don't get everything that we feel like we need from God. And he says, you know, when you keep an eternal perspective and an eternal viewpoint, it completely shifts that perspective and makes it clear that really our good pleasure, God's provision, although it applies here, and we're going to, we're going to talk about that next. It also, it has to, it has to flow through the lens of eternity first. Eternity is tantamount because the Bible says that, that life is a vapor and it vanisheth away. If you've ever um, poured a cup of hot tea or hot coffee. I like any kind of hot liquid. So coffee, tea, chocolate, water, m- milk, all kinds of, I like any kind of hot drink. When you, when you pour a hot, hot tea and you see that, um, steam coming up and it just, it's there and then it just vanishes. It disappears. God says that's what our life is like. And so when we're viewing our need and God's provision through light of eternity, we understand that there may be times where we don't feel like every single one of our physical needs is met. And, and the perspective to that is we live in the, if you live in the United States of America, chances are our version of, of need versus one is skewed first of all. But second of all, even if we have a need that we feel is not being met, God says when we put that through the eternal lens, that life is such a short vapor compared to eternity, that that needs to be our lens. Because there's going to be some things in life that sin is a cancer and sin has broken and ravished and that's never going to be put back together again. Paul said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. We bear the marks of sin. We bear, we age, we break down, our bodies get old, we lose sight and taste and and strength and, and our bodies begin to shut down the older we get. And that is bearing sin in our bodies and that doesn't go away. But sometimes we view need from a from a temporary perspective when God's reminding us to to look through provision through an eternal perspective. And so that jumped out to me in Luke chapter 12, but it got me to thinking about God, the provider, um, and how good he's been to us and how good he's been to me. Uh, the, the Hebrew word for that, for the provider is one of the names for God is Jehovah Jireh which means God will provide. And that's directly from the Hebrew language. The Hebrew word Jaira is rooted in the word Moriah. Um, they're like cousin words. And Mount Moriah was where God sent Moses to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And so I just want to spend some time. We're going to get out of Luke and we're going to flip over for Gen- to Genesis for just a minute, the first book in the Bible. And I want to read about the first time in the Bible that God is referred to or given the name provider because um, God has many names. We have very many different names for God because he's different things to us in different seasons. And that's how big and how wonderful and how awesome our God is. But Jehovah Jireh is one of my favorites. It's one of the ones that's dearest to my heart because in my life, it's proven God's love and and care and faithfulness to me time and time and time again. I'm going to get the opportunity to share some of those examples um, that really stand out to me in my life. But we're going to flip over to Genesis for just a minute and look at Moses. And when the first time that God was referenced as Jehovah Jireh or God, the provider, and then we're going to pick up with some examples about how he does that for us in our lives and how we can learn to trust him no matter what comes. So in Genesis chapter 22, uh, God tested Abraham's faith. And God does that not uh, for the sake of being petty or proving a point. He does it much the same reason that we test brakes. 
is to make sure they're working and to make sure that they're strong and to make sure that they don't need to be changed. Or uh, the way a swordsmith tests the steel to make sure it's not going to bend or break in battle. Um, or the way uh, our military tests weapons before we take them in the battle. Because we have to know that they're going to stand true. That they're going to be able to withstand the attack. That they're going to be able to do the job that they're created to do. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. We don't just do physical battle, we do spiritual battle. And as children of God, we are in the thick of that, whether or not we realize it. And God had to test Abraham because he was going to go through some battles and he needed to have a tried and true faith. His faith needed to be unwavering. And so God sent Abraham a test and he said, Abraham, I want your son. I, and Moses, Moses or Abraham, sorry, let's get those two patriarchs mixed up sometimes. Abraham had to be willing to sacrifice everything. His son was his bloodline. It was his future. It was it was the carrying on of his family name and generations. And and the Jewish people were a patriarchal society and they've traced their lineage much like we do through the father. And um, you know, we see that when we take on the father's last name as as a societal outcropping of of the way we take on the father's name in that patriarchy. And so their bloodline was insanely important to them in that culture and who they were, which family they were from and, and who they were connected to and which tribe they belonged to. And so when, when God asked Moses for his son, Isaac, it was um, the ultimate test in many ways to see if, if Moses, if Abraham, I don't know why I keep doing that. If Abraham would remain faithful. And so God called Abraham to go to the top of Mount Moriah and sacrifice his, his bloodline, his future, his, his generational, the, the one who was going to carry on his name to sacrifice him. And Abraham obeyed. Abraham surrendered everything and was willing to sacrifice everything to obey God's will. And you see that when um, Isaac asked Abraham and said, Father, and he says, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So Isaac, being the intelligent, bright son that he was, as they're hiking up this mountain, Abraham says, hey, we're going to to make a sacrifice to God. And they're trucking up the side of this mountain. And, and Isaac starts looking around and he says, hey, dad, uh, I see the wood and I see the fire, but where's the sacrifice? How are we supposed to make a sacrifice when there is no lamb? for a burnt offering. And Abraham said in verse eight, um, so this is Genesis chapter 22, verse eight, if you want to reference it. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. This is the first time in scripture where we see the title of God as Jehovah Jireh or God, the provider. And so they get up to the top of the mountain, they build the altar Abraham faithfully lays Isaac on the, upon the altar, and then he looks, and there across the way is a ram or a big old goat caught by his horns in a bush. And he blessed the Lord because God had provided himself a lamb. In verse 14, it says, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, or that is, the Lord will see or provide, as it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. So back in Genesis, that was the first time where we see God referenced as God, the provider and, and Abraham's faith in saying, you know what? I don't know what God's doing, but I trust him. And I believe that he knows best, not just for now, but for eternity. And I'm going to follow him accordingly. And I'm going to have faith that God will provide himself a lamb. And God did. And, and God does provide. He provides physically, spiritually, eternally, mentally, emotionally. God provides in so many ways that we can be grateful for and be humbled by um, that we have a God that cares about how many hairs we have on our head and cares about the hurts and the, the burdens that we carry through life. He cares about our joys and he cares about our lives. And if you don't realize that, Look at, look at your past. Turn around and look for a minute and think about where God has brought you from and what he's done in your life and how many times he's provided. Because if you're here then you and you're saved as a child of God, you can look back and see that. You can see God's tender fingerprints 
over so many areas of your life. Maybe your life was one where you tried to take control and you tried to run things and you messed them up horribly and God saved you. Or maybe you've been one that wanted to surrender to God's will and follow him faithfully, but you still get off the track or you make wrong decisions. And somehow he takes all the things, the good things that we do, the bad things that we do, the messes that we step in, and he puts it together for our good and for his glory. And he's a master weaver and he weaves this tapestry of our lives together in the most remarkable, incredible, fantastic way. I look back on my life and the way I planned for it to go and the things that I planned on me doing and the life that I imagined I would be living. And I laugh because this is nothing, nothing that I imagined that it would be. And yet, it's better in every possible way. And when I look back, there has never been a single time where God did not provide exactly what I needed, even if it wasn't exactly what I wanted, and put together th- this blueprint that he built for my life is astounding and beautiful and better than I could ask or imagine. And and that's just now. That's just here with the brokenness and the sin and the failures and the faults that we all have and we all deal with every single day. Um, but I want to spend the next little bit kind of just sharing some testimony of how God has provided in my life. Because as I was reading through Luke and then and studying Genesis, I was overwhelmed with with the goodness of God and God, the the provider, the one who who provides for us physically. I think back to one of my favorite stories. It's funny because I was I was taking notes and trying to pick which stories to tell because I could spend I could spend a really, really long time telling you stories about how God has provided faithfully my entire life. Even when I made my own decisions, even when I was rebellious, even when I wasn't choosing the right path. Um, God is so faithful to us and in providing himself a lamb and there's nothing that takes him by, by surprise, but God provides for us physically. And we saw that in Luke where he says, you know, I clothe the lilies and I feed the ravens. I will take care of you. But I was in college. It was my freshman year and there was going to be a spring banquet. And this banquet was a formal event. So you're supposed to wear a prom dress and get all dressed up. And uh, I was broke. I was I was a broke college student. I had no money. And I'm not exaggerating or being dramatic when I tell you that I didn't have two pennies to rub together. Everything was going to my school payments. I was trying not to go into debt. Um, at different points throughout college, I was working two full-time jobs during the summer. During the school year, I worked three different jobs, took 21 credits, uh, which was the most credits that I was allowed to take, but it allowed me to graduate uh, a semester early and save some money on on tuition and board <laughs> and food and all the things. And so uh, it was spring semester, freshman year. So it was my second semester, and I was invited to go to the spring banquet. The only problem was I did not have a prom dress. And I know that their very practical side of me says that I could have just put on a Sunday dress and and gone and it would have been just fine. And 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 that would have been fine. But in my heart of hearts, I didn't want to go in a church dress. I wanted to go in a prom dress, something that was beautiful and um dressed up and special for the occasion. And so I remember sitting in the hallway, there was So I had my room and then right around the corner was where the very end of the hallway was. And there was a landing linking the upstairs to the downstairs. There was a a back stairwell. There was a main stairwell that had like a a grand staircase. And then the back stairwell was just like a little way to get down or, you know, as a fire escape or whatever. But there was a landing back there. And that was my favorite place to go for my devotions because it was quiet and I could hide and I wouldn't be disturbed. And I would hang out back there and I would pray. That was my prayer corner. That's where I would spend time with God. And I got to the landing and I said, God, I know this is the smallest thing. And that in view of eternity, it does not matter one bit. But Father, I really want a prom dress. I want a dress to be able to go into the banquet. And I remember sitting there imagining what this dress would look like. I wanted it to be sky blue with white across the top with just little embellishments. And then um, a fitted bodice with an A-line skirt that split and there was like a a second layer underneath it. And so I sat there and I imagined this dress and I said, God, 
you are the provider and this is definitely a, a want in every sense of the word and not a need. But if you could provide a prom dress, that would be really special to me. And and then that was the age where my faith was becoming mine instead of my parents. Because when I was a child, a lot of my faith and a lot of my belief and a lot of my trust was rooted in the fact that my parents believed and had faith and trusted. And when I watched them through go through hard things, I believed that they were believing the right thing. And when I got to college, it was kind of when that shifted where now I was responsible for my life and deciding who I was going to become and what I was going to do. And it was instead of my parents' faith, I had to learn to rely on my own faith. And and it was not as deep or as rooted or as tested or as tried as it is all these years later. And uh, so I remember sitting there on the landing and I said, I'm only going to ask one time. And if you provide it, I'll be so, so overwhelmingly grateful and humbled. But if you don't, I'm still going to go and enjoy myself. And so I was still wrestling a little bit because I wanted to fit in and look beautiful and wear a pretty prom dress. But I surrendered that to the Lord. And I said, God, if this is if this is what you're willing to provide, if not, then I'm going to go and have a fun time anyway. And I kid you not, the next day, or maybe it was a few days later, it was probably a few days later, a few days later, a friend of mine walked into my dorm room and said, hey, we're going to the thrift store with a couple of the other girls. Do you want to come with us? And I said, yeah, I'd love to come. Not because I had any money to spend because I didn't, but because getting out of the dorms and going shopping sounded like fun, even if I was just going to get to look at it, even just at the thrift store. When I, I mean, I was broke. I didn't go out. I mean, I can count on one hand the amount of times I went out to eat that I paid for it at a restaurant. My entire four years in college, it was less than five. Um, and, and I, I was learning about being responsible for my own money and paying bills and car insurance and, and phone bills and, and all the different things that you're, you know, trying to learn at 100 miles an hour when all of a sudden you become an adult in the eyes of society and you should know how to do all of these things and you have no clue what you're doing. So you're just kind of bumbling along, figuring it out. And I was bumbling along, figuring it out. And so we all piled into the car, drove to the thrift store, and I had... I had like $4. I had like $3 in cash and some change. I don't even know if it reached up to $4. And that was all I had to my name for any kind of spending money at all. So I wasn't planning on getting anything. But I walked into the thrift store. And by the way, I love the secondhand store. It's my favorite place to shop to this day. I'm in a position now where I can go to the store and buy brand new clothes if I want to and not have to worry about it. And I don't because I love thrift shopping. I love finding great clothes for a great deal. And I'm a complete nerd about it. I get really excited when somebody says, hey, that dress is really pretty. And I I get super excited and I say it has pockets and it was on sale. It cost me $2.50. I got to go thrifting with my mom this last weekend and I bought four or five dresses and they were all 50% off. So they were all $2.50. And now I've got like a month's worth of dresses to wear to church. And I'm really, I get excited about dresses apparently. Anyway, so I walk into the secondhand store and I look across the building and they're hanging in the back corner in their formal section is my dress. No, 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 not like, not, not like my dress, not similar to my dress, not something along the lines of my dress literally down to the smallest detail that you can possibly imagine was my dress exactly as I had asked for it with with the sky blue color and the fitted bodice and the a-line skirt with the underlayer and the pretty details across the front and down the side my jaw dropped to the floor and and I couldn't even believe it because how how did my dress come to life how was it there how was it real So I go over and I walk to the back corner and I look up at it. And one of the associates comes over and he says, would you like me to get that down for you? And I said, would you, would you please get that down for me? And I remember thinking in my head, this is too good to be true. This, this isn't real. This isn't how life works. So I was trying to manage expectations, but he took the dress down and I looked at the size first because I didn't want to look at the price because I wanted to have a nice dream just for a little minute longer. Um, because it was pristine. There was no stains. There was no tears. It didn't, it hadn't even looked like it had been worn. And I pulled it down. And what do you know? It was my size. And I was like, there is no way. There's no way that I can afford this dress. 
even though it's my dress. It is my dress. So I pulled up the name tag or the price tag and I took a deep breath and I flipped it over and I looked down at it and I swallowed because the dress was going to be $7. That was the price tag on it, which I I thought it was going to be 20 or 30 or $40. So I flipped over the, the price tag and it was $7. And I took it up to the front thinking, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this because I only have $4. And I get up to the front register and I put it on the counter. I take it off the hanger and I didn't say anything because I was still trying to work it out in my brain. And as the front counter clerk is ready to ring it in, he turns and he says, hey, today's your lucky day. That color tag is 50% off. And I remember my jaw just dropping, dropping to the floor because that dress, my dress, the one I had envisioned and asked for and then surrendered to God was $3.50. And in a, in kind of a shocked stupor, I gave him $3.50 and he gave me the receipt and tucked it into a garment bag and handed me the dress. And I remember walking out of the secondhand store with this dress laid across my arms And that was one of the very first times as a young adult that was figuring out who I was and what my way was going to be that I felt as if I had a direct line to God himself and that he didn't just care about the big things. He cared very much about the little things. He didn't even just care about the needs, although there were needs. He genuinely cared about the wants and that it delighted him. You know, don't fear little flock. God knows what what you need, child of God. And I still think about that because that was when God became, God was real. He became personal to me that day. And it launched a a fire in me and it changed the way I looked at God. It changed the way I looked at prayer. It changed the way I looked at provision and my relationship because I felt known and so loved and so cared for that the God who created the universe, who has much, much bigger things to worry about than whether or not Sydney, freshman Sydney, has a prom dress to wear to freshman college year spring banquet. And yet he took the time because that meant that he'd been planning that and he'd been preparing for that moment. And he'd been, it's like a surprise. It's like when Drew likes to surprise me. One of his love languages is giving gifts. And so he likes to surprise me with some of the neatest things. And it's so much fun. And he has so much fun planning it and picking it out and organizing it. And then usually if he gets something for me, he'll hide it in the house. And I get home from work and he says, hey, I hid something for you. Let me see how long it takes you to find it. And it's like a race to see if I can find it really fast. And the faster I find it, the more frustrated he gets. Because he's like, how did you know? And then the longer it takes, the more frustrated I get. Because I'm like, where did you hide it? But it was the first time where I felt, because God had to plan that. Somebody had to buy that dress for their prom or whatever it was, wear it, decide that they didn't want it anymore, take it to the secondhand shop. It had to be cleaned and pressed and hung up in that back corner. He knew when it was going to go on sale. He knew how much money I was going to have. And he provided for every little detail. And I was completely blown away by the level of care and attention that he spent on me. Because I'm nothing and I'm nobody. And uh, that that changed my relationship with God when he met that physical need. And I could tell you story after story after story about how he's done that. Uh, again, with my wedding dress, because we were still on a very strict budget when um, we got married. We were just starting out on launching our career and we were uh, traveling for corporate company. And we were trying to save up as much money as we could to buy a franchise. And and we just didn't have very much disposable income, even for a wedding. And so I kind of purposed in my heart that the budget for my wedding dress was going to be $300. Because I felt like that was a reasonable amount of money to get something really nice without breaking the bank or spending thousands and thousands of dollars on a dress that I'm only going to wear one time in my entire life. And, and I did the same thing where I said, God... Um, can you just provide? Can you provide the dress that I'm supposed to have? And if you could, I've got $300 to spend on it. And my mom and I had gone dress shopping. So we were going all to these little wedding boutiques and trying on just all these different kinds of dresses. And 
I don't know if you've ever, if you're a TLC fan, we don't have TV at my house. We don't have cable. Uh, I mean, we watch like Amazon Prime and DVDs, but uh, we also don't have internet. So to get onto the internet, we have to use our hotspot. And Drew and I haven't really binge watched shows. Like we're just not big on TV a lot of times. We have just other things that we're interested in and we like to do. And, uh, but if you've ever seen TLC, if you've ever seen the, uh, show say yes to the dress where, you know, it's the show about how they go out and they pick the dress and, and it's this big thing and, and it's just part of, it's a rite of passage. It's part of our society's next step kind of thing. So my mom and I had gone wedding dress shopping. We tried on all these different dresses and I put on a dress and I don't know what happened. I felt like Cinderella when the fairy godmother got done with her. I zipped it up and it was stunning. And I just felt like I completely transformed into Cinderella. So my mom was waiting outside and I stepped out of the dressing room onto the, they had like a runway area almost out of the dressing room. So you could, and mirrors, it was really neat. And so I stepped out and my, I, at this point, that was probably the third or fourth boutique that we'd gone to. We tried on dozens of dresses and, and lots of different things, trying to get an idea um, about, you know, what kind of dress I was looking for and what looked right and what fit and all these different kinds of things. And so I stepped out onto the runway and I looked at my mom and my mom caught her breath. She put her hand over her mouth and she began to cry. And then she started to laugh and she said, I never thought it was real that when you find the dress you cry she says but that's definitely the dress and I'm crying and I looked in the mirror and again it was like I was just completely transformed by the fairy godmother into from regular Sydney into this creature that looked like a princess and felt like oh I can't even begin to describe what it felt like but it was really cool and so I took a deep breath and I said mom I think I found the dress and she says, I think you did too. And so it's beautiful beyond all belief. And I take it off with all of its sequins and layers and chiffon. And and, and I take it off and I look at the price tag and I te- take a deep breath, kind of a repeat of that scenario in college. And I flip the price tag over and it is not $300. So if you expected me to say, and it was on sale for $300, that's kind of what I expected to, but that's not how the story went. So I flipped it over and it was uh, $3,000. And I remember I caught my breath a little bit, but not in the good way. So so a few mi- minutes prior, I had caught my breath in, in, this, in a good way where I was like, wow, this dress is stunning. And at, then I looked at the price tag and my breath caught in a very disappointing kind of gurgle because there was no way I could afford a $3,000 dress. And even if I could, I wasn't going to spend $3,000 on a rest dress I was going to wear one single time. And so I remember saying, mom, that is the most beautiful dress I've ever seen in my entire life and I can't afford it. So I'm going to put it back and we're just going to, I'm just going to leave it because I can't buy it. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life because I could have rationalized it and put it on a credit card and charged it and, and gone into debt for it. But that's just not, um, not what I was trying to do. So we, th- we went up to the front and I said, ma'am, I said, I know that this is just an audacious question, but is there any kind of a discount that you could give me on this dress? Because this is just really out of my price range. And so she says, well, let me ask. And it was really sweet. And she came back up and she says, we could give you $150 off. And I said, oh, that is so sweet. Thank you. I will think about it and let you know. And she says, well, we can't save it for you. So you'll have to just let us know as soon as you do. And I said, all right. So I got her name and number and I walked out the door and that was one of the hardest things of my life to leave behind my dress. And that sounds so petty and so silly, but it was a really big deal because it was for my wedding and it was the dress. And so I got in the car and I took a deep breath and I said, that was really hard. And my mom says, well, honey, why don't you, why don't you look on eBay? And I said, that. I said, there is no way. There is no way this is. So I got home and I got on my computer and I looked up at eBay and I'd taken down the size and the color and the style and the, the designer of this dress. And I typed it in and I thought, you know, there's just there's no way that I'm going to find this dress because they only make a, a limited amount. And it's for, you know, specific seasons and wedding dresses are complicated. So I get online, I type in the the 
maker of the dress or the designer and the name of the dress. And it pulls up and I was like, oh, it is every bit as gorgeous in these pictures as it is in real life. And I'm scrolling through the listings and there's one. They, they come up with just like similar ones, you know. And so I pull up, there's only one that's the design and the name of the dress that I'm looking for. So I click on it and I think, you know, I was preparing myself much like I did in the secondhand store all those years ago for the worst. And... You know, I looked at it and it was $299.99 if you bought it outright. If you bid on it, it could be more or less, but you could buy it now for $299.99. And my breath caught again because I thought there is no way, there is no way. And I pulled it up and I, and it was the right shade and I looked at the size and it was exactly my size. And I said, mom, mom, here's my dress. It's right here. And, and we ordered the dress and it came in a week or two later. I tried it on and I kid you not, that dress had already been worn one time and it had been tailored just slightly to fit the bride before me. I slipped that dress on and I zipped it up and it fit me as if it had been tailor made just for me and nobody else. It fit perfectly. And uh, God did that. God did that because he cares and because he matters and because because it mattered to me, it mattered to him. And he prepared that surprise and that blessing for me before I could even think of it, before it even occurred to me, before I ever knew I wanted it or I had a desire for it. And God doesn't just provide our needs. He goes above and beyond to care for us and provide our wants because he's our father and he, he loves us. And and he knows he knows what we need and when we need it. And he provides it, even if it's not always physical. Sometimes it's uh, mentally or emotionally or through friendship. And again, I could go on and on and on through how God is alive and real to me because he's specifically blessed and taking care of me in scenarios that didn't even make sense that he weren't even needs, but were once. You think about salvation. God takes care of our salvation eternally. Our eternity is secure. We don't have to worry about it. We can trust that God is who he says he is and that he did what he said he was going to do. And he said, I am come to take away the sins of the world. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. There is no caveat to that. There is no eternal life until we screw up so bad that there isn't anything left for us. It's not eternal life until we fail God and fall down and and and, and sin. It's it's eternal. It's done. It is finished is what Jesus said on the cross. So he's taking care of us physically and he takes care of us spiritually. He takes care of our eternity. But not only that, he takes care of us mentally and emotionally. Uh, through his word and through his promises, he gives us the fruit of the spirit, love, peace, joy, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance against such. There is no law. Um, yesterday I was at work and we're doing a whole bunch of spring cleaning. So I'm spring cleaning my house. I'm spring cleaning my office. I'm, I've been like a whole spring cleaning rampage and it's been glorious. But my friend texted me after I got off work. She works there, too. And she texted me. She said, you know, she says, I really love working with you. You have just a, a piece about you. And I kind of laughed a little bit because I had been going off because there had been a couple of things that happened that day that were just ridiculous. And I really, I was going off on a couple of things because it, I was frustrated and um, I didn't feel agitated, but I don't think I was necessarily coming across as the most peaceful person in the world. So she sent me a text after we left and she said, I love working with you because you just have a sense of peace around you that, that calms me. And uh, that was a really great blessing for her to send that over to me. And it made me laugh a little bit. But God gives us love and he gives us joy and he gives us peace. And those are the things that God provides. So God doesn't just provide physically. Maybe you're going through a tough financial time. Um, Jehovah Jireh, God is the provider. You will come through this and it may not be the way you look or the way you expect, but you will come through and his fingerprints will be all over the course of your life. Even if it's not what you looked like, you thought it was going to look like, even if it pivots or changes drastically or looks different than you thought or you dreamed that it would. Maybe it's your health. Um, I get really, really bad migraines and that's been a whole journey in and of itself. 
and God has taught me more about himself through the migraines than I knew about him before. And for that, I'm grateful. But he's provided strength when I didn't have any strength of my own. He's helped me find a way forward when I felt like I couldn't think or see or, or function. Uh, he's provided, and, and here's the thing. I'm not sitting here that he's saying that he's provided healing. That's my prayer. That's my aim. That's what I'm working towards. We're still, um, I haven't quit yet. We're still, I mean, from the time I first started getting migraines in 2019 to now, I'm down um, about 75% from where it was before. So we've got 25% less to go left to go, and we've made a ton of progress in that 75%. And for that, I am so grateful. But I'm not sitting here today telling you that God has given healing because he hasn't, and I still suffer from those. But he's given me grace, and he's given me strength, and he's taught me to lean on him and trust in him in a level that I didn't have before. So much like he had to test Abraham's faith to make sure that it was true and it was strong and it could withstand the trials, God has tested my faith. And it's come forth stronger and pure for the testing. And so I'm not healed, but I'm thankful because he has provided, even physically, when I didn't feel good and I wasn't at my best, he's provided peace and grace and strength. And he's poured it out everywhere in ways that I didn't even know I needed it. Um, he provides mentally and emotionally. He provides friendship and community. Uh, he provides he provided us with the best church family in the whole world. Now, do we have a perfect church? No, our church is a hot mess. But God provides grace and people that are meant to do life together for such a time as this. Uh, he provided me a husband. Andrew is never the idea of what my husband was going to look like in my head in my entire life. If you, if I had to bet my life on what my future husband would be like, I would die because I just wouldn't even be close. But Andrew is so much better and so much more than anything I would have imagined. And marriage is so much more precious than I knew that it could humanly be. And it's not that it's perfect because it's not. It's not even close to perfect by a long shot. Um, some of the things that we faced in the last six years are just mind-boggling. And the amount of pressure and stress and change and and all kinds of things that you can't even possibly imagine. But God's provided me with a husband who's my best friend, who cares and loves me. And does life with me. He provides me with work that I love and am fulfilled in. Even even if in a perfect world, I wouldn't live where I live. This is a rough city. Uh, I really love the beach. I was raised in the mountains, but there's something that my soul is just called to the beach. And if I could live anywhere in the world, um, to be honest, it would be Sanibel Island, Florida, which is where I fell in love with Andrew all those years ago. But God has provided an incredible community and uh, work that I love, praying friends. He's provided trials to draw me closer to him and, and countless other things that it would take more time than we possibly have to share. But God is good and God is Jehovah Jireh. He is the provider. He knows what we need and he will meet those needs. We need to look through them at them through an eternal lens, but just know that you can trust and you can rest in the provision of God. Whether you're going through emotional turmoil and you've got people and trial and trials in your life that you're facing that seem insurmountable and you don't know where you're going to get the strength to face them. Maybe it's uh, depression or anxiety or family or death or brokenness or illness or sickness or want. Maybe it's not enough money to pay the bills and feed and put the food in the food in the kids' bellies and clothes on their backs. I don't know what challenge or trial you are facing or you will face, but I can promise you this: that regardless of what it is, Jehovah Jireh, God will provide. And we can believe that. We can rest in it. We can trust in it. And I'll close with this one last thought. One of my favorite songs of all time is titled God's Been Good. I'm not going to sing it for you right now, <laughs> but uh, the ladies in church sang it a few weeks ago and it's been stuck in my head and it has blessed my soul in so many ways. But here's the chorus to it. It says, God's been good in my life. I feel blessed beyond my wildest dreams when I go to sleep each night. And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could, because through it all, God's been good. And if I can leave you with one thought or one sentiment, it is that God will provide and he is so abundantly good and you can rest in that this week. I hope you have a really good rest of your week and I will talk to you again soon.
Thank you for tuning in to the Graceful and Gritty podcast. You can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, or by email at gracefulandgritty at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.